you know, you have this picture of the writer in the ivory tower or whatever, like, or like Virginia Woolf sitting alone in complete isolation, churning out amazing novels when really it's not like that at all. Um, the inspiration comes from other people, inspiration for characters, inspiration to keep going. Um, the, the community keeps you invested in what you're doing. They keep you caring about yourself. Um, there's just, it's, it's, it seems like a solo project, but it's not. Um, just so many people are there behind the scenes, uh, encouraging and reading over my terrible first drafts and telling <laughs> me, you know, hey, you need to fix this. Um, and then, of course, you know, interacting with actors and then the amazing listeners. Um, these people who listen to podcasts are so incredible and they are uh, they're like evangelists for what you're doing. Um, so for anyone who has ever told a friend to listen to right now, a girl in space, thank you. It works. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome to the Storytellers Network. I'm so excited that you're here today uh, as we kick off the entertainment storytellers season. We've got a huge, huge opportunity today to bring you an amazing storyteller of a fantastic podcast, an audio drama, among other things. She is fan uh, just a, a terrific storyteller. And so I'm excited to, to get to my guest in just a moment here. Uh, I will do that. But before I do, just a real quick reminder, the storytellersnetwork.com is the place for all your resources for telling better stories. The past podcasts, guests, past episodes, all that kind of stuff. Uh, great resources for you to tell a better story. Uh, it is the place to be, the storytellersnetwork.com for that. So today's guest. She's a professional podcaster, a writer, an editor, a coach, a speaker, a voice actor, a ghostwriter, a contributor to Forbes, founder of the Right Now podcast, a TEDx speaker. She's also the writer, editor, and executive producer of the hit audio drama, Girl in Space. Sarah Ray, Sarah Ray Werner is an entertainment storyteller and a huge supporter of audio dramas in general, which are fictional podcasts that tell a story to entertain. So that's my guest today. I'm so excited you were going to get an amazing experience with Sarah. So without further ado, let's get to Sarah's stories. So Sarah, I just really do appreciate you joining the Storytellers Network today. Uh, thanks for making time and, and welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. I am just, I'm so excited to be here. So thank you. Well, the feeling's mutual. Uh, I have been a fan of Girl in Space podcast since we met way back at, I believe it was PodFest. Yeah, yeah. And, and I... Like I understand that there are fictional podcasts, but I hadn't listened to any. When you introduced me to audio dramas, I, I of course looked up yours, and and like, no, no kidding, yours has been my favorite. Um, Thank you. So you're welcome. And and so I was really excited to have you on the show today. Uh, clearly, you are a storyteller. Thank you. Right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, right? Like that's an assumption, but you are right. <laughs> I hope. Well, I hope so. I mean, how? Yeah, as much <laughs> as anyone else, I think I'd like that to be my answer. There you go. So. For you, Sarah, where does that start? Do you go, can you look back over your life and say, okay, here's where I kind of figured out that I was a storyteller and I wanted to do this thing full time? Yeah, um, for me, it started, uh, I started as a story consumer. Um, 
my parents, uh, you know, we didn't have TV growing up. For those of you who know anything about me, uh, I, I come from a little bit of a non-traditional background. And uh, so we, we had books, we had a house full of books, and we lived two blocks away from the library. Mm. And so uh, spent a lot of time around stories. And my dad was so good. Um, he was very invested in, in helping to raise us. And so every night we would sit in dad's lap and he would read to us. And so reading and storytelling has just been uh, ingrained in the cadence of my life. It's, it's just been something that comes naturally along with living is consuming stories. And then uh, when I came to the age of wanting to create, which I think comes to probably most of us, I think we're just naturally creative creatures. Uh, I started creating my own stories with crayons and and paper uh, with, um, you know, tape and cardboard. I would make like bound books and uh, tell stories. And it's just always been just a natural part of life, just as natural as breathing or eating. It's consuming. And I don't know if I want to say regurgitating stories, but consuming and <laughs> creating stories. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think, you know, looking back over my life, I, same kind of thing, you know, I would read books and then write stories that mimicked it. Yes, a lot of mimicking. Voice, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, so when you began to kind of, you know, when, when you became an adult and got a job and everything else, did, did storytelling play a part in that for you? Or did you have to kind of make this your hobby? Like, how did that look mm. for you? Oh, what a great question. Oh, man. So I wrote all through high school and then, you know, you go to college and you have all this assigned work and there's not really time to create your own stuff. And so that was a strange time for me. And I found myself creating within the cracks of life and taking classes that allowed me to create. So I felt like I was cheating a little bit like, Ooh, they have a creative writing course. Oh yeah, I can, I can create and, you know, get quote unquote paid for it or quote unquote get credit for it. Um, so I, I would do that and find a way consciously or unconsciously to do that. But then when I entered the workforce, um, you know, college is tiring and, and you're doing a lot, but it's nothing compared to being an adult with a job and rent to pay and food to buy. And so I found myself working and then coming home exhausted and feeling very divided and very desperate about where can I fit story into my life? And so I fell into a pattern of just pure consumption. So I would come home from work, make dinner or more likely order takeout and, <laughs> or have it delivered. And I would watch Futurama or I would watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer or I would watch Alias or, you know, whatever, um, whatever DVD sets the pawn shop had. Like that's where I was getting stuff. Um, Cause I was, you know, I was poor. I graduated in the recession and had, all of, you know, a hundred dollars to my name. So uh, I, I just started like consuming stories and, and it was, it was satisfying, but it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't what I needed to be doing. It wasn't, it didn't match the drive that I needed to create. Mm. And so uh, I started uh, and I, and I, for whatever reason, I didn't recognize that at the time, I think sometimes we get out of creating and we don't remember that that's what is important to us and what's necessary for us. And so uh, by chance, I joined a Dungeons and Dragons group with some friends and that allowed me to start storytelling again. And I was like, oh, I missed this. Mm. I missed this. <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, so I was playing uh, D&D &D and I was writing little blog posts about my character and I just kind of like 
went off and like wrote essentially like a novel about my D&D character and was like, this is, this is where I find joy. I don't even, and it, for me, it doesn't even matter what story I'm telling. Like it's, as long as I'm creating and writing and discovering along the way, it feels good. Um, and so, yeah, so uh, eventually I got to the point where um, I was writing creatively. I had identified that that was something that I needed. Uh, I had moved to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I, where I am now. And I was working for a bank. And I think it was something that a lot of working adults struggle with. And that is the creative balance and, and fitting that in with the already seemingly impossible task of finding work-life balance. Like how do you even wedge a creative project into work-life balance? Um, and I'm just rambling, so feel free to stop me whenever. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, this, this is great. I <laughs> okay, find myself okay. in the same kind of positions I think a lot of other creators do, storytellers. Yeah. So, yeah. Is- and it's, it's frustrating. And you start to think of your job as like soul sucking or taking something away from you when really you need to be investing in yourself and, and finding the time to do that. And so once again, I started creating in the cracks. I started writing a little bit before work. I started writing over my lunch break or reading over my lunch break. Uh, I carried a little notebook with me that I jotted down ideas in. And eventually I got to the point where I was more comfortable investing time in myself. I was more comfortable investing time in the evenings to writing and understanding that that was okay and important. I almost had to give myself permission to, to do that in a strange way because it felt guilty. It felt like a guilty pleasure. It felt selfish. Um, but eventually, uh, yeah, I started doing that. And then, um, after about 10 years, so I was in, uh, software for a few years and then I was in marketing for about 10. Um, I quit my day job and now I write and podcast full time and it's just as hard. <laughs> <laughs> just as exhausting, right? You get done with the it's, day, like, all right, I'm out. Netflix it is, binge, right? it is, it is absolutely. But yeah, that's been sort of my journey with fitting writing into my life. Um, yeah. I think that, that was, that's such a, that's such a good question. Well, it's, I find it interesting because I, I, I remember very specifically sitting in, in my job one day and I was at the time in TV news and I was the producer of a morning show. So I got to write, I got to stack the show, I get to call the show during the time with the director, everything like it was, it was pretty amazing when I think about it. But at the time I thought, I hate this job. I hate it. I can't stand what I'm doing. I just like, this is terrible. But I, but I, I found myself looking at two things at the time. Number one was I was putting together one hour of live TV every day just like David Letterman at the time, just like Jay Leno at the time, just like every, you know, like I was putting together and I was being paid to be a writer mm. because I wrote the news. And I thought, you know what? I'm a writer, doggone it. And because <laughs> I've always considered myself one, you know, I did poetry, I did short stories, all that kind of stuff growing up. But that was when I thought I'm a writer. So I get where you're coming from, sir. I really do. And I think that's important for storytellers to kind of remember. You can yeah. be a storyteller in different facets, right? So I love that. I love that you said that. And that, that really speaks to me because when I was in marketing for 10 years, I was telling stories and I was getting paid to do it. Like I was writing and getting paid to write, just like you said, but I was writing about like slip form construction for a client, or I was writing about ice cream for a client. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was frustrating because yeah, you're creating, but you're not there's something magical that happens when you're able to tell your own story. Mm. And I don't know if that comes from 
processing and seeing yourself from another perspective or what, but that's, I feel like that's what, that's what that was missing. And so I think that's really interesting that you say that because yeah, you're a writer and you're getting paid for it, but you're like, oh, I'm still not writing the stuff that I want or need to write. So it's just this weird, weird, tense place to be in. Yeah, it can be. Now, do you think for you, Sarah, that's where that started, that, that you wanted to tell your own story? Because again, you know, some writers can be journalistic, they can be nonfiction, but you took this like creative route. Yeah. Is that what really spoke to you about this whole thing with, with audio dramas? Yeah. Um, I like that you, I like that you make that distinction. I like that you make that distinction and that's really important. And I never mean to, um, writing for someone else is being a writer and it's professional writing and it's getting paid for And some people love it and are very good at it, but it was not the right fit for me personally. Like, um, I'm a really personal person. I don't know if that's the thing that I should be saying or if that's accurate or true, but um, I, I, I need to tell my own story. That's just the type of writer I am. I'm very personal. And, and you know, if there's something about me, I will share it with you. I'm an oversharer or two, <laughs> as you can probably tell from this conversation. Um, but yeah, I needed to be telling those, those personal stories and the stories that I eventually told um, were purely autobiographical. Like if you listen to Girl in Space, it's autobiographical. It's, it's everything in there is true. And, and, and I, I talk about truth, not as in like, I literally was on a spaceship because I wasn't, let's just make that very clear. Sure. Um, but it's, it's true in, um, if you've read The Things They Carried, um, it, it looks at uh, the difference between truth and story truth and what's real and what's really real. And the truths in Girl in Space are truths, maybe with a lowercase t or maybe with a capital T. Uh, but either way, everything in there, it's emotionally true. It's sometimes circumstantially true. And it's, um, it's, it's all true. Um, and so that's the type of story that I needed to tell. And people tell stories for so many different reasons. Um, and I still haven't completely analyzed why I am so desperate to like share my internal story with the world, but I'm just going to keep doing it. <laughs> well, that's funny. Cause I was going to, that was going to be my next question was, okay, so if that's the case, what do you, what do you love then about telling stories? Why do you feel that call to tell that story? Well, the easy answer is I'm a giant narcissist. <laughs> <laughs> now, <laughs> now listen i've met you i've hung out with you i've also hung out with narcissists i don't believe, I don't believe I it. thank you for saying that that makes me, that makes me feel a little better <laughs> i mean we all have a narcissistic bent no doubt about it okay. however you're not a narcissist um okay yeah no, i mean i think I, th I think we i think we do like to see our stories in a certain way for sure i get that um but yeah because uh, I'm, I'm a creative. I love to create, but I also do much more of what you're talking about, like that kind of nonfiction writing, you know, mm. um, and I do enjoy that, but I like to give my own voice to it. Uh, but I've also created some, some, you know, fiction and, it's, and, I, and I love it. And I don't know what it is about it that I love. I guess it's just, I read way back a long time ago, Stephen King's On Writing. And I remember him talking, and I've heard interviews with him and other writers too, like the voices in my head have to get out. I'm just helping them get there. <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I don't know where those voices come from. I don't know if it's a gift or if it's a sickness or I have no idea what it is or, or anything like that. But what I do know is that the drive is real. Like I have to do this. This is what I think people like you and I were made to do. Yeah. 
What's one of your biggest challenges in this uh, storytelling world then? Oh my gosh. I have so many challenges. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think we all do, right? Oh, of I, spoke little, I spoke a little bit earlier about the, the work-life creative balance is, is certainly a challenge. Um, my own mindset often gets in the way. Uh, I'm very susceptible to believing my own thoughts and maybe everyone is. Uh, but but sometimes I get into a very limiting place where I say like, oh, I only have enough time to do this or I only have enough time to do that or um, I'm not feeling the writing today or I don't feel creative. And a lot of it is just sussing out your own your own sense of resistance. Stephen Pressfield talks about resistance and what are you afraid of and navigating your fears and um, I guess really getting around why you're trying to sabotage yourself or keep yourself from writing. I think so navigating that is probably the biggest challenge, like existentially speaking, mm -hmm. um, and knowing when I'm actually tired and burned out and need to stop versus when I'm being a little crybaby and you know, <laughs> afraid of something, afraid of success, afraid of failure, afraid of doing the work, which is often tedious. Mm -hmm. um, that's something I never thought. I, w when I was working full time for a marketing company, um, I would go on Instagram and I would look at all these writers' profiles and they'd always have these very beautiful, serene, like, oh, I'm in a coffee shop just writing today. And they'd have their latte art and like a little vase of flowers. And I was like, oh, I want that so bad. And now I have it. And I'm like, this is work. This is, <laughs> this is not like looking at a beautiful desk with latte art and flowers. Like this is me digging around in my own head and picking out the splinters that I need to tell this story. And it's, 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 it's work, but it's work that I love, which makes it even harder because I have to do it. And sometimes, I don't know. So like I'm getting into this whole thing about resistance and fear. And I think for me, um, that's probably what I struggle with most, whether I realize it or not. Yeah. Now, do you think that that working through that is, and, and coming to these realizations, is that what helps fuel the right now podcast? Yes. Oh yeah. 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 I didn't even realize that that's why I started doing it, but it's like, it's my, it's like my discovery place. It's my meta place. Like every single one of those episodes has been like, Oh, Sarah discovers something new about writing and shares it with you because she needs to yeah. She will fall down. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's definitely where that comes from. Preaching and teaching to yourself, right? That's, uh -huh. that's how that goes. So now in your, so I'm going to get into, I'm going to dive into podcasting pretty deep here. Um, yeah, please. So in your TEDx talk, you mentioned, you know, how you started. So, so I know that and I just watched it this morning. Um, but for those who haven't seen that presentation, go see it first of all. But for those who haven't yet, let's hear that story. How did you get into podcasting? So I started, uh, my podcasting journey started with writing. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to start a blog and I did. And it was called The Outlaw Novelist. And no, you can't find it. So don't even try. <laughs> um, and, and initially, uh, it, it, its mission was initially the same thing as the Right Now podcast. And the, the mission was to help other writers to deal with the tension in their lives, deal with the stress, deal with finding the right balance, and actually get out there and write and live this thing that they were created to do. And so that's really what I wanted to help people do. So I started this blog and I was like writing these blog posts and feeling really good about it and putting in tons of work, like eight hours of blog posts, making sure it was perfect because as a writer, I felt that I needed the writing to be perfect for this writing blog, right? Because that's the trust signal that I'm sending out. 
is nobody's going to, in my mind, I thought nobody's going to follow my advice on writing if I am not a flawless writer. And so there was a lot of pressure there too. Um, but nobody read my blog because <laughs> there are millions and billions of blogs out there, many of which are already established. Um, and so it was just frustrating. And since I was working in marketing at the time, I understood the analytics behind the blog. And I was like, oh man, like <laughs> nobody's finding this, nobody's reading it. And so my good friend, Peter Adal, who I love to shout out because he's such a delightful human being, uh, said, you know, Sarah, you should really start a podcast. And I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this was back in, I think, probably 2013 um, when there, and it's weird because we've come so far in just like three or four years. It's so bizarre. Uh, but there weren't a lot of women in podcasting at that time, even just, you know, four or five years ago. It's, it's incredible. And so, yeah, so actually maybe it's more like six years now because time goes faster than I allow it to in my mind. I, uh, <laughs> amen. <laughs> but he, uh, he suggested I start podcasting and I started thinking about it. And then I thought about it for about a year and a half because I was too scared to act on it because I kept thinking about like, I don't understand a mixing board. I don't understand sounds or what these Hertz things are or what equipment I should use. So I waffled for a long time when I could have been podcasting, but Finally, I just sat down and recorded the first few episodes on a borrowed microphone. Uh, it was a blue snowball that I borrowed and um, launched the show in January 2015. And it was just such an incredible thing to see where I had failed in blogging in finding an audience and resonating with that audience. It, I feel like it just like immediately took off mm. with the podcast. And I realized that... I was able to be, I didn't have to hide behind a polished wall of perfect grammar and spelling. I could just talk and be honest and be myself. And I think that's part of why it was more successful than the blogging. It was because I got out of my own perfection spiral. But it's, and it's funny because I'm sure a lot of storytellers feel kind of that same way of like, I have to be perfect to present myself. And in reality, you, really, you just got to be authentic. Yeah. That's oh. funny. Because I mentioned that at one point, I had an interview with uh, Seth Godin, and I asked him about authenticity, and he was like, "I don't. Know. I think it was Seth." And he says, "You don't want an authentic doctor. Like you, you authenticity is just not." And I thought, well, kind of going a little bit further, but that's okay. I'm not going to debate you, but I really do believe in that authenticity. Like if if my writing isn't perfect, that's okay. But if it's consistent and it's me, and if it resonates with you, great, right? Yeah. So. Anyway. That's how we connect. I mean, and if you yeah. want to connect with your doctor, then like him being authentic or her being authentic is mm -hmm. important. Yeah. But you know, that's not why we go to the doctor. I mean, unless you're yeah. really lonely and bored. Which gets to be a really expensive friend. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so, so you have this, this right now podcast going on, you're connecting with people and you're probably hearing from your audience then, right? Cause you are connecting. What was that like to start to hear from your audience? weird. Um, I'm an introvert. I, I think, well, I don't know. I, I want to say many writers are introverts, but many writers are also extroverts. So um, no, I, I, I spent so much of my life feeling like I wasn't seen. And there was a little bit of safety in that because if you're like this invisible person, you can kind of just like put yourself out there, uh, put your work out there without any repercussion, without any, uh, any feedback or any potential criticism. Uh, but the, the thing about publishing and putting yourself out there and engaging with people is the other side of engagement, which is response. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I started getting 
um, I started getting emails and actual mail. I got letters from people because um, I had a P I had a PO box and people could send me uh, letters and mail and manuscript. I got all sorts of things, um, but the emails were just so. I don't even know if I have the right word for it. I don't want to say interesting. They were so personal. They were so authentic and it was authentic in the way that I was authentic in the show. And I was like, this is very interesting because if you give at a certain level, people give back at that level, which, um, and so we, we started this very interesting conversation and, um, I don't know. I learned, I learned a lot about my listeners and, I became part of their lives in the same way that story had become a part of my life and my story was part of their life. And it was just, it was just a really cool way uh, to connect with people in, in a new way and to see my words resonating within their lives and seeing their lives resonate out into the world through their own stories. Um, some of the most common um, feedback I get is thank you for doing this podcast. I wouldn't have published my novel without you. And like, that's everything. Like, mm. like, I, I don't know, just having a mission and then actually seeing the mission fulfilled when it feels so impossible when you first start, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Awesome. That gives, that gives me chills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Um, so, so how do you go from this nonfiction teaching podcast into an audio drama? What was that transition? I blame Paul Sating. Uh, <laughs> I was doing, so I branched out with the Right Now podcast and I started doing interviews, sort of like we're doing here. And I would talk to writers and authors in a spinoff called Coffee Break. And I interviewed this like one random guy because uh, he was doing something new that I'd never heard of. He was doing audio drama. And I had him on the show. And by the end of the show, and you can listen to this conversation, by the end of the show, he has convinced me that I need to start an audio drama. And like, you can, you can hear the journey yourself in this episode. It's coffee. I don't know what number coffee break it is, but it's my coffee break episode with Paul Sating. And uh, yeah, <laughs> he convinces me by the end that I need to be doing this. And so I was like, okay, guess what? I'm doing a thing. Um, I had written, I'd written novels before. Uh, I feel like we all have like a drawer. Mine's right here next to me, uh, a drawer of unfinished manuscripts and things mm -hmm. that we've given up on. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I don't need to write a novel right now. Maybe I need to publish in a new way. And I'm already familiar with podcasting. And this dude named Paul Sating has convinced me that I need to do this. So, Hey, I might as well give it a shot. I might as well experiment, you know, mm -hmm. I, I have nothing to lose. And so I started storytelling in a fictional sense, thinking, of course, you know, that I was blazing this new trail when really there's a ton of great audio dramas out there. <laughs> there's a ton of great storytellers. Um, but yeah, I, I started doing that and it was fulfilling in the same way that nonfiction podcasting was fulfilling. Now, what I, so I, I love the idea of him convincing you at the end of an episode of, a, of an interview because I've had several podcast interviews me as the guest and it's and, and you do you walk away or me as talking to people and I'm like I, I'm so inspired so I get it um, I will I will link to that I'll find that episode I'll link to it in the show notes for those listening um, so I, I want to hear it too um so so he's convinced you at this point to do an audio drama what 
what was that process like for you to start? Because I, so I imagine, I remember going, I remember listening to the first episode and it's uh, now are you are X. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you're X. That's what I, I thought so. <laughs> um, but I was really afraid to ask that because I thought if you're not, you have a great actress that sounds just like you. Oh, um, thank you. No, it's no. me. <laughs> All right. I thought so. You're, you're fantastic. Um, so, so that first episode is just you. Well, eventually you get other people involved. So what is that like? To, to, I mean, now it's a, it's, it's a production. Like I expect to see this on Netflix someday. This is a production. How is that journey? Are you, oh yeah? <laughs> Those of you who are listening can't see the face that I'm making, but there's, there's going to be some news coming soon. Oh. So. Um, <laughs> um, okay. So in my excitement, I forgot, I totally forgot your question because I that's, got really excited. That's okay. That's all right. I'm, I'm excited too. Uh, Oh, that, so, what was that like? That yeah, journey? yeah, yeah. Because I, I imagine voice actors. Because I've I have one rolling on in my head right now, an audio drama in my head. You um, do it. I know I, my my writing partner, who happens to be my my cousin out in California, is busier than I am. Um, much like the servant leadership, it's just this badge that we wear. No, suffering is not a badge. Just like busy is not a badge. Um, but she is genuinely very busy. She works in TV, and I really want to do this with her. And we just don't have the time at the moment, but we're going to make time. Good. But I'm already thinking like voice actors, what's going to cost me. It's going to like all these things. Yeah. How did you just launch Girl in Space? <laughs> uh, I did it in, I did it in a way that was conducive to where I was at the time, which it sounds like maybe would be true for you as well. Um, but it was maybe not the best way logistics wise to do it. So what I did was I wrote the first episode and like you said, it's just me. And so I just recorded my voice and then I like figured out sound effects and I was like, Oh, I can put music behind this. And that's really cool. So it was like a, le- I treated it like a learning experience cause that's what it was. And, uh, and then I like launched it and I was like, yay, I have an audio drama episode out there in the wild. And then it took off and I was like, oh no, I don't have a second episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh snap. Now what? <laughs> I know. Cause I, I just assumed, I, I, I assumed when I started that it was just going to flop. And I was like, you know, I'm doing this as an experiment, as a learning experience, as something fulfilling for me. It doesn't necessarily need to be for anyone else. I'll just put it out there. Yeah. And then it took off and people were like, when's episode two? And I'm like, ah. Um, so yeah, so at that point, and, and every episode has been like that. Like I am still like episode 12 is out there. Mm -hmm. It came out at Christmas. I am still writing episode 13. Mm -hmm. Uh, and everybody's like, is this show dead? You know, what's going to, I'm like, no, no, I'm still, I'm still writing it. I just made the mistake of not writing the whole thing first, Right. but that's how it worked. You know, it fills in the cracks. Like that's how it worked with my life. Um, so I launched that first episode and then I was like, well, and I think it was my husband who told me like, Hey, you should have some more characters so that people don't get bored listening to it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and, um, and I don't know if I would have made that same decision again. Like I like where the show has gone, but I don't like that. I made a decision out of that fear mindset that we talked about earlier, that I was yeah. afraid that people would get bored or I was, af- I, I don't. I don't, I wouldn't have made the same decision because of that reason. Um, I, that being said, I love my cast. Um, they're all friends and family. So Charlotte, the robot is my (laughs) mother-in-law and I go, whenever I have a new episode ready, I go over to her house and we go down to the basement and we set up some blankets and towels everywhere. And she records, uh, in between the heater going on and off. Um, which is just awesome. It's delightful. And then, uh, the other actors are all my 
brother-in-law and his roommates, um, they had all been living in a house at the time or like near that house. And so that was just his circle of friends that he knew. Um, And uh, other voices that have come in since then, um, Danny, the intern is played by Jamie Killen who um, has a really cool horror. I love horror. So she has a really cool horror podcast called Spines. And I fell in love with her voice. And so I was like, hey, will you be on my show? Mm -hmm. And like she said, yes. And it was amazing. And so now I play a voice on one of her shows. And that's sort of how we make that happen. But um, yeah, it's all family and friends. And then people from shows that I admired who we sort of do an in-trade sort of agreement that way. So that's yeah. awesome. So it's so it really does come down to community then. It does. Right? It does. So now, now you've, you've, you've thanked the, the ton of great audio dramas out there. You've just talked about the community that you're surrounded with. You've spoken at events like PodFest because of community. So that has to be a huge part of this so that you, you can't do it alone necessarily is my guess. Yeah. It's yeah. weird. It's like writing. They're very, very similar. You know, you have this picture of the writer in the ivory tower or whatever, like, or like Virginia Woolf sitting alone in complete isolation, churning out amazing novels when really it's not like that at all. Um, the inspiration comes from other people, inspiration for characters, inspiration to keep going. Um, the, the community keeps you invested in what you're doing. They keep you caring about yourself. Um, there's just, it's, it's, it seems like a solo project, but it's not. Um, just so many people are there behind the scenes, uh, encouraging and reading over my terrible first drafts and telling me, you know, Hey, you need to fix this. Um, and then of course, you know, interacting with actors and then the amazing listeners, um, these people who listen to podcasts are so incredible and they are, uh, they're like evangelists for what you're doing. Um, so for anyone who has ever told a friend to listen to right now, a girl in space, thank you. It works. Mm-hmm. And you got the crazy ones like me, who, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm wearing a girl in space shirt. Cause I, cause you're I, amazing. I, <laughs> I, I wore it to Chicago, to the space museum, whatever. It was like, look, girl you're, so so, you're so good. You're so good. You're so good. I love it. I just, I just love the community. Like, like you, Sarah, I love the community. I've been to PodFest a couple of times, the podcast movement. Um, not many other ones, but, I, but I've been in the, some of the Facebook groups and stuff. And it's just such an amazing community. And the fact that I have a little show that's out there too, like, just makes me feel part of a family. And yeah. like, I have a great family. So I'm not, I'm not you know. <laughs> My like, new family. No. This, is, this is like a second family. It's amazing. So yeah. Um, yeah. So for those storytellers thinking about it, get out there and do it. Because, you know, it's amazing. And, and podcasting can be done very, very expensively, like at NPR or Gimlet or somewhere. Um, it can also be done pretty shoestring, as you just mentioned, Sarah. So mm-hmm. yeah, you can see my mic again. If you're watching on YouTube, you can, I, I have just a blue Yeti, 120 bucks. And like, that's my whole podcasting investment. So yeah, yeah I've got an ATR 2005 USB. So that nice. doesn't have to be terrible, terribly no. expensive. I mean, so, so this episode is what uh, we're recording in April, but it doesn't come out until July. Um, is there anything you want to kind of spill the beans about in July about this, oh, or are oh we gosh. waiting? <laughs> Let's see. Oh man! Um, also, okay. Even before I say anything, I admire, I admire oh. <laughs> what you're able to do planning ahead wise, like. Oh have, my gosh, you're good. I'll have to send you a screenshot of my my spreadsheet. I have. I'm already working on 2020 for my hopeful guests. Like I've, 
<clears throat> before I, I reached out to you, Sarah, I was thinking for like months, I got to reach out to Sarah. I hope she says yes. I don't know what, oh man, you know, I'm a fan. I mean, I know we know each other, but like, I'm a fan. Uh, so yeah, I, I have my entire year already basically planned out. I need I just, that skill. <laughs> uh, if I don't do it, it'll never happen. It just won't. I know it. <laughs> so, gosh, yeah. But yeah. Um, no, anyway. Well, I'm looking, well, whatever the news is, I'm looking forward to it. Um, yeah, July. I can't wait to see, hear the next episode coming out. Um, cool. Um, yeah. I think, let's see, if this is coming out in July, I'm going to be at the Austin Film Festival in October. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll see you there. Uh, I'll be talking about audio drama and audio fiction. I'll be at PodCon 3 when that uh, eventually happens. And also, let's see, in July. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't officially tell you anything, right. but things will be in motion in July. <laughs> we'll just uh. say that. Things will be in motion. I'll be following along on Twitter. So should everybody else. Yes, please do. What, so, all right. So we've talked a little bit about podcasting, about your story, about Girl in Space. Um, is there, and, and, and obviously, you know, you said earlier about the emails that, that you've changed people's lives with your story and this kind of stuff. So, so we know that. Is, are there stories or storytellers that have changed your life in mm-hmm. some way? Oh, yes. Oh, so many. Mm-hmm. There's so many writers who helped me live there's so many stories that helped me to keep going like you know life gets hard and story is how i cope with that and whether it's taking in stories and it doesn't matter for me Um, i love reading reading is my first love um, and i always have a book going but i have also i appreciate the stories told in film and television as well um, watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer got me through a lot, um, which, I mean, it sounds silly, but it's, yeah. it was really important to me when I was watching it. Um, uh, writers like James Baldwin, who showed me what was possible with poetic nonfiction. Oh my gosh, writers like Elizabeth Gilbert, whose Big Magic, which just came out, I want to say just a few years ago, taught me how to rethink about how I was investing myself creatively in my work. Mm. Um, Oh my gosh. And even growing up, um, the Encyclopedia Brown books that I read, uh, they they provided me with a safe space to be myself. Um, as, As grand as that sounds to assign to a children's book, um, I think a lot of readers feel that way. There's there's a, a safe space that you can go to. The Narnia books were very important to me growing up too. Uh, going to Narnia, existing there in the books, um, that was that was my safe space. It was my escape, and and it's something that I strive to do now with my storytelling is to provide people with a place where they can be safe and they can exist, and uh, nothing taxing will be asked of them. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great list. Absolutely. It's, it's incredible to, to think back and there could be, you know, small stories, big stories that change people's lives. So as storytellers, I mean, it's no small thing to say that we're, we're doing that ourselves in some way. So. Which is so cool. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, <laughs> now, so, so for you, you've been with your own space, you're fortunate to, to have a, a trajectory pretty quick. Um, you're also a contributor in Forbes uh, because of your connections again to community. I know that's from your, your, um, uh, an interview that you just did as well. Yeah. So I, I did, I did my research a little bit. I, I You're used to good. Um, <laughs> but it, so, so you've been fortunate. I don't, I don't want to say lucky. You've been fortunate because you've worked at it. 
how, if somebody was to start this audio drama today or tell a story in some way, how are we supposed to get our stories out there today with so much going on? Mm. Yeah, because you not only, so you have two struggles here, right? You have the struggle with yourself and your schedule mm -hmm. and that work-life creative balance, the giving yourself permission to create, you know, dealing with how selfish and self-gratifying that feels and feeling guilty about it. Um, the resistance when you sit down and you see the blank page and you're like, ah, it would be a lot easier to go wash the dishes right now or go on a walk. Yeah. Um, so you have that side of things, but then also you have the community to enter. You have the, and it's not even the community to enter because that's fairly easy to do. Um, and, and podcasting is a little bit different. So if I wanted to publish a book, I would have to either self-publish and figure out that world and then figure out how to market my book and build an audience and find the right people at the right time to read my book. Or you have to go through an agent and a traditional publisher. And that is just, I, I feel like either way, you sort of need to break into something. And with podcasting, it's a little bit different because you can create your show without any gatekeepers and you can make an RSS feed, you can put it out on iTunes, chances are they'll accept it. Um, it takes a few days, but that's really, it's very minimal barrier to entry uh, for a podcast. But then, you know, okay, I'm down and there's, gosh, 600,000 podcasts, I think right now, just over 600,000 podcasts. And it sounds like a lot, but you know, compare that to the billions of blogs that are out there, right? So. Right. So there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of podcasts, but it's, it's, if you, uh, file it under the right genre, it, it's a little bit easier for people to find you, but really it's still about connection. It's about connection. It's not about buying an ad somewhere. It's not about putting up a billboard in your town. I mean, unless you have, you know, a, a podcast about local news or something, in which case a billboard might make sense. But if you have a drama, if you have a, um, a fictional story to tell, then the, the really the best way you can market your podcast is to go to social media and start engaging with the community there. There's big uh, audio drama communities on Tumblr and on Twitter. There's some on Facebook, um, but the community building's a little harder to do on Facebook. And I find that most of my audience and most of the other creators are all on Twitter. Um, and you can start connecting with these people by uh, using hashtags, audio drama is a good hashtag, audio fiction is a good hashtag. Every Sunday, the community celebrates audio drama Sunday, so you can look for that hashtag and just see who's contributing to the conversation and contribute to the conversation yourself. Um, I also advise most people when you are connecting with people, because that's how you'll build listeners, it's not by selling. You don't need to say, hey, I have a new show. You just need to connect with people, answer questions, be yourself. Um, but I would adhere to the 80-20 rule, which applies to a lot of things, but it applies to marketing your own stuff as well. 80% of the time you're adding value, 80% of the time you're talking up other shows or you're asking important questions or you're sharing a cool article that you found. 20% of the time you're sharing your own stuff. So I really like to make sure that people understand that balance that you're giving 80% and you're taking or advertising 20% um, just because you want to give to the community because that's how you build actual community is by contributing value. Right. And value is not you talking about yourself. Value is, it's interesting. I, I've, I've gotten the largest boost on my own show when I share other people's shows. So I'll say like, 
I am really enjoying 2298 this week, or I'm really enjoying the white vault this week. And I'll share that. And then they'll retweet my tweet and then people will check out my show. Hmm. Um, and so it's just, it's a great way to keep the community building itself. Um, because, uh, uh, what is the saying? A rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. And we want to really, uh, we want, we want more people to listen to audio drama and fictional podcasts in general. So, hey, share everything you can. It's not backstabby. It's not a competition. And uh, people will find your show that way. Well, and I think Zig Ziglar said it too. Uh, you'll get everything you want if you only help everybody else get what they want. That's right? so true. Um, and, it, and I think it, what I hear you say too, Sarah, is it comes back to community. I mean, you've got somebody from another show on your show and you're on hers. Exactly. You share each other's shows. Some of your probably biggest advocates and ambassadors and listeners come from other shows. Like it just makes sense. Go where that audience is and the supporters are. So exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. That's great advice. Um, So I'll get to my last question here in just a second, but I want to make sure, and I'll include show links. Oh, thank you. Links in my show notes to everything. Um, But is there any particular place that you send people to that's the best, at least single resource or whatever that you send people to? Yeah, best single resource is my personal website, sarahwerner.com. That's S-A-R-A-H-W-E-R-N-E-R.com. Links to all my shows, all my social media, uh, everything. Everything is out there. Upcoming speaking gigs, if you want to come see me at like a podfest or a podcast movement or something like that. Yep, sarahwerner.com. And uh, yeah, let's right. let's hang out. Yeah. We'll, we'll link that and then some other ones too in there, uh, including your TEDx talk. So Thank you. Uh, so Sarah, if... I don't think it's in your, 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 your makeup to be able to follow this rule. However, if somebody said to you tomorrow, Sarah, you're all done telling stories. You got to find something else to do. What would your last story look like? Do you think? Oh, Oh my gosh. This is okay. This is one of the hardest questions that anyone has ever asked me. What would my last story look like? Are we talking about my last story as in, um, the last thing that I can ever tell people, or are we talking about like the last story as in what would I want to leave people with? I don't know. Which one okay. do you want? Oh gosh. <laughs> like you said that and immediately I thought explosions. Like I was like, I want to go out with a bang. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> it would be, you know what? It would be this it would be everything I've ever wanted in one story. So it would be this like horrible genre mashup with like, there'd probably be like unicorns and explosions and probably some like laser guns and cats with laser vision yes. and, <laughs> and weird plants that are sentient. And just, it would just be every weird thing that's ever been in my brain in one giant tome. So Pray fun. that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fun. The best part is, as, as you're saying that, my my cat, who I thought was out of here, is in here walking around. So yeah. no laser beams, though. No laser beams. Okay, that's probably for the best. Well, Sarah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your story uh, with the uh, with the, the listeners. I'm happy to. Thank you so much for inviting me to be a part of your show and your story. This has been this has been a delight. You're an excellent interviewer and I'm just so excited to be a part of this. So thank you. Thanks. And there you have it. The voice of girl in space X right there. That's Sarah Werner. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being on the storytellers network podcast. Uh, if you want to connect with Sarah, please do. So the links are in the show notes as you heard sarahwerner.com is her website, but there's a whole bunch of links down in the show notes. So check them out and go subscribe to girl in space 
listen to the episodes. You will want to binge them. I mean, no, like this is not hyperbole at all. It's amazing. Uh, I have absolutely fallen in love with audio dramas because of that show. So check out Girl in Space Podcast and Sarah. Uh, and if you enjoyed this episode, you liked our conversation, got something out of it, please share it to social media. Send it to uh, your, your Facebook audience, Twitter, LinkedIn, Tumblr, as she said, as Sarah said earlier, there's a great uh, audience there on, on, and community on Tumblr for audio dramas. So if you like it, share it. I appreciate it. And if you really love what we're doing uh, here at the Storytellers Network Podcast, please consider leaving a review down in the Apple podcast or rating on any podcast player of your choice. So there you go. I appreciate you listening to the show. I appreciate you being here on this journey. And uh, until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers.